Welcome to the Student Affairs Spectacular, the weekly podcast giving you a front row seat to the greatest student affairs show on earth. And now your ringmasters, Tom Kriegelstein and Dustin Ramsdell. Hey, 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 everybody. Welcome to this episode of the Student Affairs Spectacular podcast. Dustin here, and this is episode number 76 with Jason Merriweather and Joe Glover, two fantastic folks. Uh, Grateful for both of them to uh, take time out for the podcast. We are talking about student athletes this week. Um, Really great episode. Uh, Recorded this a little while ago, but um, obviously the content is sort of evergreen, uh, talking about the value of being a student athlete, how to best support our student athletes. Um, and both Jason and Joe just share a lot of great insights from their experience, uh, a lot of great stories, and um, just some great stuff down in the show notes for anyone who uh, works with student-athletes or um, anyone that you might want to uh, kick over to your colleagues who work with student-athletes. So uh, really does impact pretty much everybody uh, on campus. Students and residents are going to be athletes. Uh, students uh, coming to our offices are going to be athletes and uh it's just a great way that a lot of students get to us in the first place that may not otherwise um, get to college. And that's just one of the big, big points, big takeaways that we uh, get into in this episode. So um, really awesome stuff. Really grateful to have both Jason and Joe on to uh, share their experiences and insights. So um, sit back, relax and enjoy this episode after a brief word about our sponsor, episode number 76 with Jason Merriweather and Joe Glover. All right. And before we get into the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to our sponsor, the National Center for Student Life, which hosts the National Conference on Student Leadership coming up next November 19th to the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Since 1978, NCSL has trained thousands of students and advisors in heart-centered, values-based leadership skills designed to help drive transformative change within the individual. And I've personally spoken at NCSL for the past five years, and I've seen firsthand how the NCSL conference helps students and advisors apply learning to address real challenges both on their campus and in their community through the NCSL Call to Action program. NCSL truly brings together the country's best leadership presenters into one place to give both the students and advisors a life-changing experience. And I'm always, I'm always blown away at the level of value received from their conferences. Also, I should note that NCSL was the first to offer students the opportunity to earn a digital badge to document their leadership development. So if you're looking for a national leadership conference to attend, I highly, I can't highly more recommend checking out NCSL at nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. That's nationalcenterforstudentlife.com. With that, let's get this show on the road. And like do like a Google search in my email, and I mean find like when I set up Skype like in like 2010 or something like that. Right. I think. Yeah, but if like because for doing stuff like this now, like it used to not be able to have this good of a functionality, um, but now it's gotten better just to do like free group calls and um, it ends up being feel like more stable and stuff. But yeah, it has come a long way I think from where it was before. So yeah, it's funny you mentioned that, Dustin, because I, as I'm sitting here looking at just the, the features and like you said, it's a lot more functional, a lot more user friendly now. So I feel like. I may return to Skype universe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, kudos to Skype for uh, getting getting everything together. <laughs> um, but yeah, it looks like all the levels and stuff are good. Um, 
So that is good. Um, but yeah, thank you both for uh, taking time out for this. I really appreciate it. It should be a uh, very good chat. Well, I'm grateful. Thanks for having us, man. And, and as I told you, Joe will make a lot more sense than I will, but I'll try to keep up. <laughs> yeah, I appreciate both of you being here. And uh, we'll, we'll dive right into it here. Um, just want to make sure that we you know, uh, get to everything in a reasonable amount of time. So uh, we'll start as we always do, though. Um, and we'll start with you, Joe. Uh, just give you an introduction of who you are and how you got to be where you are today. Uh, sure. Well, again, my name is Joe Glover. I'm the athletic director here at Indiana University Southeast. Uh, IU graduate. I actually have uh, three degrees here from uh, Indiana University. Uh, MBA was my most most recent one. Uh, member of NACTA, the uh, National Association of Collegiate Directors of Athletics. Uh, member of the NAI National Administrative Council, which is a neat group that gets to help shape some policy for 300 plus NAI schools. And then uh, president of our athletic conference, the Kentucky Intercollegiate Athletic Conference. And uh, you know how I got here. You know, first job in college athletics was actually as at the University of Louisville. Uh, I was a sports information student assistant. I think we all kind of remember those days when we started out as, as student assistants, and mm-hmm. uh, w- you know, walked in and had a great mentor that took some time and engaged with me, and, and really got me up to speed. And uh, the rest is kind of history. Uh, you, you blink, and all of a sudden, ten years go by, and, and you find yourself in the AD chair. So it's been a long, fun ride. But that's uh, that's kind of what, what led me here uh, today. Great. And Jason? Hello, I'm Jason Merriweather, and I'm the Vice Chancellor of Student Affairs and Enrollment Management. Also, uh, really fortunate to be on the team with Joe Glover and his phenomenal uh, group of colleagues in athletics here at IU Southeast. So it's it's uh, just total luckiness for me to work with such a talented group. Uh, my background in athletics really began in undergrad when I was an RA on an athlete's floor in my very first RA assignment. In both of the years I was an RA I worked with student athletes, and as a senior, I was actually the first senior at the University of Louisville who was an undergrad and got to be a residence hall director, which was really a delight, Mm. and I had a private residence hall that housed mostly athletes, and then in my first job, uh, I guess my first grown-up job at Georgia Southern University, I had the opportunity to uh, work in a residence hall where I was the RD with athletes. We had all the scholarship athletes lived in this one huge residential complex. And so the early part of my career was framed working directly with student athletes, academic support, residential living, keeping them involved on campus, uh, moving activities around to support them. And then from there, you know, as I've grown administratively, I've been fortunate that uh, athletics has uh, remained on my org chart. Uh, as I've been in uh, both my vice presidencies, I've been very fortunate for that. And so, as I said, I get to do it here. And um, it's a lot of fun, the, the way the athletes work on campus and they're involved here. And uh, I get to interact with them in so many ways. So I just count myself really lucky and very blessed. Nice. And Jason, did you uh, like those involvements of having like athletic uh, resonance halls? Did you seek that out or was that just kind of uh, lucky happenstance? You know, like you said, of just you know feeling lucky, I guess, to have that opportunity. But was it something you sought out or that it was just kind of chance? Well, I think my first semester as an RA, I was taller than everyone. So they just kind of stuck me with the athletes because <laughs> I was tall and I could relate to some of them. But then uh, from there, it was I wanted it every time, uh, especially when when I graduated and I went to take my first job as I was applying for schools and going through the search. It was very clear that I wanted to be a part of the athletic experience. And uh, I will admit I've been very intentional 
to keep that as a part of my org chart. And a, a lot of times, uh, certain levels on the org chart, you know, athletics gets pulled away to report to the president or something like mm -hmm. that. And I've been fortunate that I've been, you know, at NAIA schools or NCAA D3 schools where I've been able to keep athletics close. And even when I was at the larger schools, like the, the NCAA D1 or D2 schools, what have you, I've always managed to keep athletics close. And so it's very important to me uh, that athletics is always a, a part of uh, my, my organizational structure. Nice. Um, and you've just remarked on just a lot of uh, plethora of diverse experiences with uh, college student athletes. So um, this is kind of the big thing that I wanted to really focus on for the episode. And we'll get into some other stuff, but this is kind of the, the big question. So uh, we'll start with you, uh, Joe. Just in your experience, your perspective, what is the value of being a college athlete? What does it give students that, you know, there's so many things that they can do while they're on campus. What makes uh, being a college athlete special? Yeah, sure. Thanks. I, I, and it's a great question because we, we talk all the time about the the student athlete experience and kind of what they're going through. And I, and I think there is a lot of value in that. And, and we talk about it often, you know, the, the skills that are learned through athletic competition. Um, you know, my colleagues and, and uh, coaches that are, are here at the university, we, we oftentimes talk about how we see our, at the, you know, the, the gym or the athletic field or the athletic facility being no different really than a classroom on campus. You know, it's, a, it's a basically a, a lab for learning. Uh, it's just through athletic competition and athletic experiences. So you, you, when you really nail it down, you, you talk a lot about time management, communication, teamwork, um, exposure to different experiences and some diversity that may not occur uh, in the classroom, you know, taking it from a holistic learning uh, perspective. Mm -hmm. um, but then it even goes a little bit deeper. You know, you, you talk about leadership development and being, you know, thrust into roles where leadership can be honed and can be uh, worked on. And so I think that that's something that we we often we want to see who's going to step up and who's going to be that leader and, and i think they learn that uh, often through uh, student athlete experiences um and you also look at the value of, of the things such as medical care uh, training resources academic support services and advising you know there's a lot of benefits that come um, out of that as well that that create value for the student athlete um uh, as well travel i mean I, I can tell you in our athletic conference our student athletes get to see places like uh, downtown pittsburgh we have two member schools that that, uh, that reside there. And um, many of our athletes on our campus have never never been to Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. And so for them, that, that's a really neat experience for them to be able to get outside of the, the local Southern Indiana, Louisville metro area and be able to experience new places. And uh, athletics provides them that opportunity. Um, but then I think it even goes even further. It, it really even goes into the social environment. And, and um, when it's done correctly, it, it really creates a sense of belonging to the institution. And um, we talk about retention a lot and how uh, athletics can really help uh, help help with that. Uh, you know, our student athletes here at IU Southeast, for example, um, retain at a, at a much higher higher level than that of, of the general student uh, here on campus. And mm -hmm. I think that that sense of belonging and that sense of learning uh, and that value that uh, that is gained through the experience really um, speaks volumes to that. Um, we actually talked a, a little bit last week about uh, this with some colleagues, and um, you, you can't ignore just the financial aid support and the financial aid component of, of athletics where scholarships help fund some of that education. Um, the quote that I, we were talking about last week was uh, the fact that other than the GI Bill, athletic scholarships are the second highest funding source of higher education in U.S. history. And I think when you when you look at that, uh, that really begins to tell the story about how um, important and, and what value that college athletics actually brings uh to higher education yeah absolutely that's a that's the 
a really powerful thing. That's sort of where my brain was going. I want to make sure we highlighted that of that, uh, you know, athletic programs and being a college student athlete gets a lot of students to college who may never envision themselves possibly setting foot on a campus as a student. So uh, I'm really glad you mentioned that. And that's just something that I'd really want to emphasize for people listening that it's, uh, if nothing else, that's a huge positive, you know, like you're saying that it's, it's funding so many students to go to college. And then just that, you know, the laundry list of other things that are just, you know, added on benefits of what happens when you're actually a student, but just getting them through the front door and keeping them at an institution is, is huge. So uh, that's definitely really awesome. Jason, anything you'd want to add just of what the, the value of being a college student athlete means to you? Well, I think Joe hit so much of it on the head. If I could expound on any one point, it would really be the the impact on, on skills and the impact on leadership that athletes develop. One of the things I learned, especially in the residential environment, uh, working with student athletes, we always adjusted programs. And in my very first uh, time when I was at Georgia Southern, and, and they had a great football team, great athletic programs down there. And uh, I had my very first meeting with the athletes the first night of school. And I asked them, you know, how come you guys haven't been involved as involved in housing and, and in the programs and on campus? And, you know, they, they said to me, well, think about it. You know, we have to practice at 6 a.m. We have to go to class, study, practice again in the evening, you know, after games and you know, all this stuff, you know, it's 10, 11 o'clock at night before we get back into the building. And so we, we made some adjustments there and we had opportunities for, you know, programs to, to be held late at night when the athletes could enjoy them and be and be participants in the community. And then what happened was it gave other students a chance to see like, wow, look at how hard the, the these uh, students are working. Look at what they're doing and they're still performing in class. And it, it was really a great learning opportunity for non-athletes to see just how much goes into the athletes. And and the, and the life isn't always as glamorous as it may seem because there's a lot of work that goes with time on the court or on the field. Um, and the other part of that, even on our campus, our SGA president is is a, a, one of the top tennis players on our tennis team. You know, we have a, a, a two RAs who are on one is on the women's basketball team and one is on the women's volleyball team. And so as our athletes are integrated across campus, it's great opportunities for them to showcase. And so sometimes when other students are looking at time management or, you know, thinking about how difficult their schedules are and then they look at their athletes, they say, wow, can you give me a couple of ideas about how to manage my rigorous schedule? Because <laughs> yeah. you're certainly managing one. And, and so as much as it, it, it helps our students be leaders, but it also helps other students to really learn like wow they're really getting a great set of skills and is they're integrated into the campus community you, you just can't ask for more for the entire community yeah absolutely yeah just uh some of the stuff that you mentioned there to emphasize again is like the um you know leadership qualities that a, a student athlete gains i think you know can obviously be translatable to uh, student government resident assistant orientation leader and then it probably all is kind of symbiotic on each other kind of feeds into each other but then yeah i mean they have so much uh, experience and skills that they can give to their other, other students. So they'd be great, uh, peer mentors or that kind of stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just, uh, you know, all the great stuff there. So, um, to kind of switch though, and kind of, obviously I, I like to think about these things in an optimistic sense. So, um, we'll go to you first, Joe. Um, what are some issues that arise, uh, with student athletes? Cause I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot of hard work. Like uh, Jason was saying, it's it's not like, you know, they're getting this great opportunity and this funding, but it's not a cushy thing. Um, so, you know, like maybe some problems arise out of uh, stress or something, and maybe you can just kind of give anecdotes from your experience. But um, what problems arise within the college student athlete uh, 
kind of population, that community. And what are some solutions that you've seen that kind of can work to address those common issues? Sure. That's a great question. I mean, obviously, there with any student population, there are things that we look at and uh, and things that we need to watch out for as, as problems that, that can arise. And, and one of the issues I think that's good to bring up at this point, and, and Jason hit on it a little bit in, a, in the previous question, is talking about the differences between the, the institutional types, right? You, you start looking at Division One athletes versus uh, NAI athletes versus uh, junior college athletes. I mean, um, you know, they're all student athletes, but they, they face very different experiences um, at their campus. And I think that's very important to bring up uh, um, as we talk about um, certain issues, um, because one of the things that Jason hit on that was such a great positive thing is the fact that student athletes at the NAI schools like ourselves, you know, they're very involved on campus. They have the time to be able to be student athletes, but also be involved on campus at some Division One institutions uh, and not to paint a, a large uh, brushstroke here on, on and, you know, I'm not trying to paint them all in this corner, but but student athletes are on full rides. The stakes are a lot higher than media coverage is a lot higher they really specialize in, in athletics in a lot of ways and their time uh commitment uh in a lot of ways they, they don't they're not able to get that broad experience that other students are able to get at smaller colleges so i think that is a, an issue i think uh living learning communities are, are great in a lot of ways jason alluded to some of them earlier in his career where he worked in those i have a little bit different take on that um working at a small school i, I want our athletes to be integrated as much as possible into the uh, general uh, student body i don't i don't want them siloed off with other athletes because I want them to get the diversity of experience with other people. I think that model works very well at the Division One level for, for obvious reasons that, that come with uh, Division One athletics and larger uh, college athletics. But in the small college environment, I think it helps student athletes more uh, to be uh, well integrated in uh, with other students from, from very diverse backgrounds. Um, so that's obviously one issue that I see that kind of arises among the different uh, levels of college athletics. Obviously, um, just like any student, uh, you worry a lot about alcohol and substance abuse. Uh, those issues are still ever-present. Hazing, uh, Jason's an expert in that area. He can talk uh, m more about that and, and, and to what those issues are um, on campuses and, and kind of how you deal with that. And you, you, those pressures, you know, come from a lot of different areas. You know, the will to win and the, and the, and the will to perform at a high level. Um, that, that, that pressure can sometimes lead to risky behavior. You know, um, performance-enhancing substance abuse, that's, that's a, a, a big topic that's going going on, even at the NAI small college athletics, we're looking at drug testing student athletes. And um, so you kind of wonder sometimes with the higher pressures and the will, will to win and coaches wanting more and athletes wanting um, to, to play at higher levels. You know, there's a lot of different uh, uh, things out there that can lead you, lead you in the wrong direction. But like any student, you know, we're here to help them grow and to make better decisions and to, and to take that personal responsibility. So you kind of flip that and start looking at the solution side. And I think it's just increased education, you know, and in and, and athletic we must see ourselves always. I tell our staff this as educators first. You know, we teach way more than just the X's and O's. We have to have those tough, intrusive conversations about these issues. And uh, I think that that's one of the first steps to preventing a lot of this is by having some strong conversations about it and, um, and you know, letting people be heard and, and talking about what the, you know, yeah, you can do this and this, but what are the, what are the consequences of that? And, and how does that affect you beyond just your athletic competition? Yeah, there might be a short term game uh, gain there. Uh, but what are the long term consequences? And I think a lot of times it's just having that educational moment and turning every opportunity we can into an educational moment to teach. And that's really um, where I think uh, the programs that are doing it right. I think that's what they're doing. They're, they're really making sure their student athletes are learning um, through some of these things that could become issues uh, within the population.
Yeah, that's that's great. That was just uh, that there's you know any of those problems obviously can arise in any situation, but I think yeah, part of the solution is not just saying hey, don't do that, do this. It's like you said, make it into an educational moment so that they understand you know why should you do this or shouldn't you do that or um, any of that kind of stuff. So I, that, that, I feel like that's definitely good advice to help things work. So. Uh, Jason, I'm not just from your perspective, your experience, just common issues and ways to sort of, uh, ideally kind of circumvent those. And I know, uh, Joe mentioned hazing is sort of a big thing. I don't know if you want to focus on that at all. Uh, I, I, there are a couple areas, um, that I think we have to be mindful of with athletes. Uh, one, certainly getting on the front end, like Joe said, it, it's not a matter of, having one conversation on the first day of practice or in the first team meeting and then moving away and thinking, okay, well, I've covered myself because I've spoken about it or we've had the students sign some document. So now the, the school is covered legally and, and we move on. That, that's not really how we do it. Like with any other students, we have to have ongoing education with athletes. One of the important things is making sure we address locker room culture, uh, being mindful of bias or abusive language. Uh, you know, what happens, you know, if someone says, oh, you hit like a girl, you play like a girl. Well, what does that really mean? And what are we really saying there? And and so just kind of giving students the tools to uh, kind of hold each other accountable for that language, as well as uh, coaches and trainers and other people around athletic programs, furthering the type of education that we're doing in the student affairs setting about that sort of bias language, abusive language, any type of hate language that sometimes can fall into locker room culture. Um, and, and being mindful about conversations about masculinity or femininity and being clear that we are not allowing any of that sort of attacking language to go on. Um, you know, dealing with students um, sometimes who have not yet made decisions to publicly reveal their sexual orientation, mm -hmm. uh, making sure that we're cognizant of comments and discussions in the locker room, uh, comments that coaches make that could be hurtful or um, abusive to, to students who, um, you know, are, are still struggling and dealing with, uh, you know, being able to freely express their, their true identities. And so we have to be mindful of uh, teaching students, student athletes about uh, familiarity and understanding um, elements and experiences within the LGBT culture, because although, you know, right now it's great, uh, there was a list recently last year of uh, I think maybe a 118 or 120 or so student athletes and professional athletes who publicly come out in the last couple of years. I actually have a couple of friends who are on that list. That was great. But the interesting thing about it is for all for the number that we see, there's so many students that we don't see. Um, and, and locker room culture can really be a big in, uh, inhibitant or it can be a big uh, support system for students as they wrestle with when it's time to publicly um, express their, their identity or sexual orientation. So we have to be mindful of ongoing conversation and education there. Um, and, and those are some of the things that we don't often talk about. We focus so much on performance-enhancing drugs performance drugs and we focus on you know academics and cheating but but some of those things that really come back to kind of an ethic and duty of care for other students is really important um, one of the things I, I can also say that's really important to discuss going back to Joe's comment is, is hazing with student-athletes um, there's there's a lot of research 
that, that talks about the number of college students um, who have been hazed. There's a great study out of the University of Maine from 2008 um, by uh, uh, Drs. Allen and Madden that examined the experience of college students who experience hazing. And, um, you know, the, if I recall just off the top of my head, I think over 70% of student athletes experience some type of hazing while, you know, uh, get init being initiated into the team environment. Mm -hmm. And so with that in mind, and that's t that stat could be a little bit off, but I'm pretty sure it's around seven out of 10 students. And so with that in mind, we've got to be mindful that as students are coming in, we can't allow that, that culture to become pervasive in our athletic areas and with our student athletes. Uh, we focus so much on Greeks and fraternities and sororities that I think the athletic component is overlooked often. If you look at what happened with the Miami Dolphins uh, just a couple of seasons ago, I think that brought a lot of national attention, but it's several news cycles later. So how many people are really thinking about that with student athletes? Um, and, and also the number of high school students um, where that's happening. If you look in uh, New Jersey, uh, there's a situation where I think five or six coaches and nine or ten students uh, on the high school football team, I think it was uh, uh, one of the high schools in New Jersey, I can't recall the name of the high school, but at that school, you know, there was a, a huge hazing phenomenon going on. So our high school students are coming in almost acculturated to it. And so we have to make sure that we're um, combating the attractiveness of, of allowing hazing culture to go on within within athletics. And so if we think about those things and we have those conversations frequently, what we'll do is we'll create an environment where athletes are standing up to it, where it's not just the coaches, but where other athletes are saying, hey, think about what you're saying. You never know who's in this locker room or you know that our teammate is, is wrestling with this issue. Why are you saying that? Or, hey, it doesn't matter who's in the locker room. This just isn't what you say. And, and if we empower our student athletes to be able to step up, it filters out into the campus community. I can tell you uh, when I was at the University of Louisville as uh, a residence hall director, as I mentioned earlier, mm -hmm. uh, sometimes if students were acting up, there were athletes who I could go to and I could say, hey, uh, you know, th this thing is going on. Can you help me calm your teammates down? And, and they could do things like that, you know, be, because they were leaders and they were respected for is taking a stand for positivity. And I think in student affairs, we have to be mindful that our student athletes really are role models, whether they want to be or not. And if we take advantage of that, we'll find that way more often than not, the student athletes really do want to take a stand against some of the issues um, that, that other students are experiencing when they're negative or when they're bias related. We just have to give them a chance to. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think just a lot of what I'm hearing there is just like if uh, I mean, because, yeah, student athlete programs in the locker room culture, I feel like it's a microcosm that could really, you know, affect positive change. So if you make, uh, you know, students like the relationships that you have or the kind of uh, conversations, to, uh, you know, discussions that you're having, they feel safe enough to kind of bring up issues of, you know, oh, I don't feel comfortable or safe or, you know, this is what's going on. And, you know, it can be addressed because I think sometimes the relationships there is where like, oh, well, you know, I feel like I have an issue, but maybe I'm the odd person out and I can't bring it up. And uh, we don't, you know, we never talk about those things. So who could I even bring it up to? So, um, yeah, it's a lot of great stuff. And uh, hopefully, you know, those are things that people can think about and come up with solutions if they're having issues of you know, sort of the, those common issues. Um, and uh, I'll toss this over to, to Joe really quick. And just so everyone kind of has a general understanding, I mean, you know, we probably should have done this earlier in the episode. 
what's sort of the Cliff Notes version of the differences in like the different divisions of the NCAA and uh, different kind of conferences and stuff? Because I guess like you're saying, it does mean different things if you are a athlete in Division One or Division Three or anything else like that. Um, what's sort of like the quick brief kind of summary of what's the difference between those divisions? Why do they even exist in the first place? Sure, we could spend a whole show talking about <laughs> about this topic, about the the differences. But the, kind of the, the the short the short of it, yeah. Division one obviously are going to be your your major uh, research institutions, obviously um, that are that are going to be in there. That I think most people, when they when they think about college athletics, that's a, uh, that's a, where their mind goes. It goes to a Division one program uh, that they're familiar with in their community. Sometimes, uh, you know, some of us at the smaller college level, we we get a little bit concerned because we when things happen at the Division one level, we're afraid that's going to affect us in the smaller college level where athletics looks a little bit different um, and, and, and operates a little bit differently on campus. So um, so in the NCAA, you have three divisions, Division One, which we talked about. Division Two um, uh, is, is a little, you know, smaller resources is basically what, what you're looking at there. These, these are institutions that are um, uh, that are a little bit smaller than their Division One counterparts, um, obviously, and uh, they still give athletic scholarships just like Division One, but they're usually lower amounts um, and they're not always all full rides uh, obviously um, I always equate the, the NAI uh, very closely with NCA division two we, we look and operate um, very similarly in a, in a lot of ways competitively we're about on par with each other we compete um, back and forth uh, we both give athletic scholarships um, a lot of schools in division two will play NAI schools throughout the year um, and then NCAA division three um, is really a lot of smaller private institutions um, that also um, do not give athletic aid. So there is no athletic scholarships in the NCAA Division III level. Um, and so that's that's one of the biggest uh, differentiating factors between NCAA Division One, Division Two, and then with Division Three. And then junior colleges obviously exist, two-year schools that have athletic programs. Uh, and that's, you know, pretty pretty obviously the biggest change there is the fact that uh, two-year schools, uh, you know, student-athletes only there for two years, and they're going to look to transfer to play um, either at an NAIA, NCAA, Division two or NCA Division one school after they complete their two years at junior college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just explaining how like the NCAA works, I feel like could be a whole episode because I have oh goodness, yeah, because I have yeah. more questions where I'm like, but wait, what about this? How does that work? But like, <laughs> no, I can't, I, I can't go there. Um, so yeah, maybe maybe we'll do another episode in the future about that. That'd um, be a good one. Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah, because I feel, yeah, it's just this is like a thing. I, I, yeah, because I, I don't have, I have a very basic understanding of basically kind of what you said. And like, but I, I don't feel like I've ever been in a Division two school. It's always been three or one. And then like, what about the different little conferences of like, okay, you're, you're this division, but you play in this conference and how to, you know, like, I don't know. Um, but just, to, okay, just to kind of get back to the questions that I had. Um, I guess just whoever one, uh, we can start with Jason on this one. So, just to kind of highlight, uh, you know, good things happening and, you know, in action, in reality, what are, if you want to just highlight some great athletic programs out there that you may know of and what, what are they doing and how could, uh, maybe what sort of goals or visions or, uh, you know, mission statements or any of those kind of things, like what, what is their focus? What makes them a great athletic program? Okay, here, here's how I'm going to cheat on this question. I'll talk about how dynamic IU Southeast athletic <laughs> program is. Absolutely. They'll yeah. give a couple of uh, re- re- reference points to some other programs. Um, first of all, one of the things that I'm most proud of with our program is that the average GPA for student athletes at IU Southeast is above a 3.0. It's like a 3.1. Mm-hmm. 
that is first class phenomenal and um, better than any uh, place where, where I've been in terms of overall student athlete performance. The, the fact that our students here get to be students and the academic performance uh, shows that they're students makes a big deal. It totally changes the conversation about budgets, about financing athletics. It changes the conversation with faculty. You know, there there, there can never be a perception that oh, we're we're bringing in. Sometimes athletes get 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 labels about their academic preparation and things like that. Uh, I'm so fortunate to be at an institution where, where that's just not an issue. Um, I, Joe would have to verify for me, but I know we're if we're not the highest GPA of all the IU institutions, I know we're right in there uh, at the top in terms of our academic performance. So, Joe, you have to correct me or let me know there. But what I would say is that that's a big deal for us. I mentioned earlier that, that our athletes are campus leaders. Uh, they're involved in student government. They're active in orientation as uh, Crimson Crew members, orientation leaders. Uh, they're RAs in the residence halls. Um, you know, you, you see them leading, uh, participating in different events on campus. They're present at community service events. Uh, our athletes are really everywhere. And I think by design, you want that type of engagement. And the best part about it, we're actually good in sports, too. <laughs> so it's kind of hard to argue with, with, with that, that type of output. And I think as a whole, I, I, I can truly tell you it's been so rewarding for me for the last two years uh, to be at an institution where the athletes are a part of the whole uh, campus, uh, they're they're completely in integrated into the entire population of the campus um, with students as as leaders. Um, as an example, we have a huge event uh, called Induction Day, uh, which is during the Welcome Week, and it's kind of the culminating event for Welcome Week uh, during Move-in Day, where our, our students and our parents and faculty they we dress up in regalia and everything and and our students are or we welcome all the new students and every year we have a, a senior come in and speak to the freshmen this year it was a student athlete mm. who came in and gave the speech to our freshmen and so for me IU Southeast is a great model, large school, small school, what have you, for having athletes who perform on the court, they're stellar in the classroom, and they're active and they're a robust part of the campus community. Um, I would also be remiss if I didn't give a shout out to my undergraduate alma mater, the University of Louisville, um, you know, which their, their athletic program is great. They're doing great stuff. Um, they have a phenomenal social media presence in terms of uh, our athletes um, being in some more, more positive things on social media, out in the community and that sort of thing. So I have to give my uh, alma mater a great shout out there. But aside from that, I really love what IU Southeast is doing. And I'm just lucky to be here. Yeah. And just real quick, did was it always that way or did you have to kind of shift gears to kind of embody that vision of all of those things, uh, which I feel like are really positive. Uh, those may be the, the holy trinity of like student athlete programs where they're excelling, you know, not only uh, in their athletic programs in the classroom, but are like integrated into the campus community. Did you have to work towards that? Or was that just sort of like uh, present maybe when you got there or just kind of because of how, you know, the institution works? Well, my answer to that question is I have one secret. His name is Joe Glover. I have a great <laughs> agent. <laughs> and, 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 and I'll yeah, tell you. 
Yeah, go ahead. I, I can tell you a little bit about that. I mean, because, you know, the, the, I've been here for 10 years in one form or another now at IU Southeast. And I can tell you it's hard work. It's, it is literally a culture change. I mean, when I, when I, I, you know, it was not always like that in all three areas. And, and I think it, it really, it starts at the top. And, and my advice to any administrator who, who, who's listening to this or any uh, either athletic professional or just a, a professional on a college campus is um, it's the little conversations. You cannot overlook, uh, you cannot overlook the, the details there. There are, um, um, it, it, it's going to take some time and it's going to take some effort and you got to get everybody to buy in to what the culture is and, and kind of where you're going with that. And so, no, it's a lot of hard work. There, there's no doubt about it. And uh, Jason's very kind to, to, to give me the credit, but uh, um, in the same vein, I, you know, it's, it's really every coach buying into to the process. It's, it's student athlete leaders buying into the process. It's helping everybody understand what we need to be. And, and it even goes far beyond that. It goes uh, across campus as well. Anyone, um, any, any faculty members, also that that are helping out with that i mean it, it's truly a campus culture issue and I, th- I think it does take some time to do it right and, it, and if you can get the right people involved and and uh, you can keep having those important conversations and uh, doing things like reaching out and and uh, not just staying within your department or within your building or siloed away um, you've got to be very present on campus and i think that all of that kind of works together to kind of create that culture it, it, it really is a uh, um, it, there's really not one approach i think it's you've got to do a lot of different things and uh, you've got to be very active in different areas on campus to make it happen. And the cool part about it is uh, it's sort of the the chief press agent for our division. We have student affairs and enrollment management in this division. So I'm sort of, as the vice chancellor, I'm sort of the, the, the chief press agent, the chief marketing guy for our division. And what's cool is that our students give me something to market their performance gives me something to talk about. If I go to the faculty senate, I am not ashamed to go in and make a presentation about athletics. I'm actually excited to do it. Um, you know, we, we can have our student athletes and we bring students to talk to like boards of advisors, boards of trustees, uh, to, to faculty senate, wherever we go, we have student athletes that can be great representatives of the program. And so as sort of the press agent, our athletes give me a great story to tell. And, and we have to definitely say for everything that we're creating without having the right student athletes to come here and to perform and to do what they do. That's what makes a big. That's what makes it so easy for us, I think, to really celebrate our program. And so, wherever I go, I have a great story to tell. If you walk across campus, you'll see um, hanging off almost every light pole on campus there are banners with pictures of athletes in jerseys with the IU Southeast mascot and reference to their academic success. And that is a big deal for us. And so, we are in a position where the athletes are so great and buy into that culture that I always have a story that I can tell to my colleagues that, you know, for for me, it, it's really just an absolute blessing. That's really the best way I can say it. It's an absolute blessing to have great athletes that are performing. And wherever I go, I can tell the story. I can take them with me. Uh, and they're a delight to meet in any environment. Yeah. And that's great because I just, I just was, I was hoping to hear that, you know, just through, you know, hard work, diligence and, you know, 
uh, kind of having that vision that you were able to uh, make that change because that's what you know some places might be like oh yeah we, we need to we need to do these things but I don't know if we can actually like you know make that change you know make a positive change on our campus so it's it's very nice and uh, you know it's great to hear that through kind of that consistency and the hard work and everything that you were able to make that change to um, really have a, a great athletic program as part of your campus community but um, just to pick up if you want to uh, as part of sort of as we're wrapping up here uh, Joe if you want to highlight any other great athletic programs that you know of really quick and then just also any resources uh, books articles videos anything that we can uh, include in the show notes oh yeah no that, that's great I mean I, th- I think one of the other programs to really look at uh, I think that's done a nice job Indiana University um, uh, as a whole uh, in Bloomington uh, Fred Glass the athletic director there is a great colleague great friend of mine he's developed something that uh, I think is really going to sweep uh, across the country you're going to see this more and more it's a student athlete bill of rights um, which is a really neat uh, program that he's developed there uh, so I encourage anyone to go check that out there's more information online about that um, he's really done a nice job of really kind of deducting what you know what is it that that student athletes need and what what are their rights as student athletes and what are we going to do to take care of them and what are what are some of the things that we need to make sure that they have as being a student athlete and, and giving back to them and and i think that's a really nice model that many schools are going to try to uh try to implement as they move forward as, as a lot of the legislation change occurs at the ncaa division one level um we could spend a whole show talking about that <laughs> and the legislative mm-hmm. changes and kind of how that's going to uh, affect college athletics at the division one level and and kind of redefine uh, in some ways what college athletics uh, looks and feels like. But uh, at the end of the day, the fact that they're taking a proactive approach to say, hey, no, our student athletes matter. Um, they have rights and we're going to we're going to you know make sure that they have those. I think that's a that's a really positive step in all the conversation about um, the legislative changes that are occurring at that level. Um, one of the other programs I, I, I really it's not an individual college or university program, but I think it, it's a it's a much wider thing that I think needs to be discussed here. Um, the NAI, again, we talk about, we're members of that, the National Association of Intercollegiate Athletics has a program called the Champions of Character Program. And it's really the staple that that all of our institutions um, really hang our hat on. I mean, I think it's really, it's ingrained in our programs. It's what we're all about. We're about champions of character. And it's a really neat uh, program with five core values, um, integrity, respect, responsibility, sportsmanship, and servant leadership. And those are kind of the pillars in which the Champions of Character programs developed on. And when I say that this is, it goes well beyond just five core values. I mean, this is this is stuff that we do with our teams. We have programming that we do with our student athletes from a from a school level, from a conference level, from a national level. We have at our national conference every year. We have a lot of programming developed on champions of character and making sure that our our coaches are are and our student athletes are are, are doing the uh, things that we expect from them to do to make sure that they are of high character. They go through character education and professional development um, um, student athletes have professional development opportunities um, for in those areas and they get to get a chance to kind of put those values into play you know and and that's something that we're really excited about you know we, we've seen our ejections at the NAI go down we've actually have done a study over the last few years of, um, where we, we've really put a lot of effort into the champions of character program um, and talking about what it means to be of high character and high value and we've actually in the result of that we've actually seen ejections go down 
profanity being used in games go down. I and mean, we've seen a lot of really wonderful outcomes from this program. And so I encourage anyone uh, as a resource to, to check out www.championsofcharacter.org. It's a website dedicated to, to these resources. Um, one of the great things, too, is, is we've reached out as an association to high schools. So now we're reaching out to high school associations. We just uh, finished a deal with the uh, IHSAA, the Indiana High School Athletic Association, and they're actually implementing champions of character um, programming within their students throughout the high school level. So we're really trying to do, uh, trying to take an active role in trying to change that culture of sport, um, some of the negative aspects uh, that could that could be within the game, and actually do a, do a better job of actually making sure that we are teaching those values to our young people and all those associated with our athletic programs and kind of reflecting on that true spirit of competition and what it's really all meant to be. And so, you know, I, you know, as we talk about individual programs that are doing it right, I think from an association standpoint, this is a program that does it right. And if any institution wants to implement some of the same things that are going on, I encourage them to check out that website because there are a lot of tools, a lot of resources that will really help get you on track to, to where you need to be um, from that perspective. Awesome. Yeah, that's really great to hear. Cause I know some of the I mean, a lot of issues that we have on college campuses sometimes can be traced back to things that happened in high school. So I think uh, just hearing that there's, you know, outreach, uh, positive outreach happening with like that champion to character and all that kind of stuff into high school is to sort of uh, stave off some of the issues that, you know, kind of uh, happen for us on campus. That's really great to hear. Um, and uh, just to wrap up uh, uh, as we get to the end here, um, we'll start with you, Jason. Uh, just final thoughts that you want to wrap up the episode with to um, can just kind of leave everybody with. Uh, I, I think that it's really important to recognize, embrace, and certainly value that student athletes have a very unique, work-filled, robust college experience. And uh, student athletes are they are sometimes painted by stereotypes from some crazy movie or, you know, maybe mm-hmm. some some bad experience or one thing that happened on the news one year with some school. But that's not all student athletes. Uh, these are college students who are here to, to give their best and, and to work really hard. And given an opportunity, a lot of our student athletes will demonstrate everything that we want to see in terms of student development. Um, we can watch them grow, we can watch them lead, and we can watch them be awesome on our campus. Um, and, and I think sometimes taking a step back and just saying, hey, you know, they really want to be students, you know. And at the same time, while saying that about student athletes as a whole, it's important to not paint student athletes as all falling into one box. Every student athlete has a unique story and a unique experience that they bring with them to campus, just like any other student that we recruit. And given a chance, uh, I promise that more times than not, we will find that our student athletes will be some of our absolute best success stories. They can have internships, they can play sports, they can work, they can be connected, they can be great role models, great citizens in the campus community, great ambassadors for our universities. And so I have been so fortunate to work with some of the best student athletes ever at this and at other institutions. And um, they're, they're absolutely just a phenomenal group of students that I've enjoyed working with just as much as with Greeks or with RAs or with student clubs or with honors students, what have you. They're just another great part of what makes colleges and universities so special. Yeah, great. Joe, what are some uh, final thoughts you have? 
Yeah, sure. I mean, Jason did a great job of summarizing that, and I, yeah, I appreciate all his support and everything he does to help foster student development and, and, and athletes here at IU Southeast. And, and, and kind of my final thought, really, you know, fostering student development in, in this population is, is, is really everyone's responsibility on campus. It's really the everyone. I mean, everyone plays a role in that. And opportunities for learning opportunities are near endless in our profession. And as leaders, I think we, we, we've got to pay attention to those small details so that we can have that big impact on student-athletes and just regular and normal students in general. Um, you know, we're here to help them grow and, and develop. And one of my favorite quotes, I, I actually, I, I have this one hanging, hanging in my office. It's, it's John Wooden, um, you know, former head, Hall of Fame um, head men's basketball coach at UCLA. And I might add Indiana's own. He was actually born uh, just a little bit southwest of Indianapolis. Nice, uh, nice. Um, he's got a quote that I, that I love, and it, it goes like this. Minor details like pennies add up. Um, a good banker isn't careless with pennies. A good leader isn't sloppy about details. And there's no doubt in my mind that those details are important. And we talked about how you change the culture. And I would just encourage everyone that's in this profession to spend some thought thinking through some of those holistic student-athlete development opportunities and you know what details are being overlooked on your campus. And, you know, what can you do to bridge that gap? Create a plan, make it fun, um, and pay attention to those details. And I think uh, through persistence and, and uh, having that vision, I think you're going to get it done. And uh, for me, I think that's probably one of my final thoughts and takeaways that's most important is uh, pay attention to those details. They, they do matter. Yeah, that's right. That's uh, absolutely. And I think, yeah, it's a, it's a team effort to maybe if you're not a, you know, I know I'm not a detail oriented person. It's like find those people to help you realize that vision that can uh, give you different skills and uh, experiences and stuff to help you out. And um, yeah, that's really, I mean, that's really the big, the big takeaway that I wanted to hit on. I'm glad you kind of framed it that way, Jason, of that uh, being a college student athlete isn't better or worse than any other involvement that you can have on campus. It's just as valuable. It's just different. Um, and, uh, you know, I've, I've, I've never played a sport, uh, in high school or otherwise, but, um, uh, you know, even with the things that I've not done, I recognize that they have a purpose, they have a, a reason for being, and, uh, they're very uh, impactful for students. So I want to make sure we highlighted that on the podcast and talked about it. And, uh, we have a lot of great resources and stuff that we'll have in the show notes and, uh, Jason, Joe, just, uh, really appreciate you both, uh, taking time out to chat about this stuff and, uh. Yeah, just uh, thank you so much. It's uh, really good stuff. Well, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Absolutely. It's great to be here. And uh, if you have that NCAA show, I've actually heard one of Joe's Rotary Club speeches on NCAA athletics. He's phenomenal. So great resource there, too. But thank you so much, Dustin. All right. There you go. We already got our NCAA episode planned here. No, that's great. Um, But yeah, both of you have a good rest of your day, and I will uh, talk to you later. All right. Take care, and thank you. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast. If you want to help us out, leave us a review and rating on Stitcher or iTunes, or just share out the show so other people can find all the cool stuff we talk about every single week. Again, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time on the Student Affairs Spectacular Podcast.